0: Hello, world, and welcome back. You are listening to The Darius Show Podcast. My name is Darius Cook, and this is the show where I watch television shows, and I report back to you my unsolicited, uninformed opinions about them. Uh, This week, uh, we're going to be wrapping up our finale recap of the last few episodes of Squid Game on Netflix. I have already done two episodes talking about Squid Game, my first impression reviews, And then I've done a episodes two through five recap and review. Today, we're going to be going through episodes five and nine and really discussing the finale and and what my overall thoughts on the show are. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned, guys. I think you're going to like this. I'm not going to drag this one out as long as my other ones have. Uh, Frankly, there's a lot to go through here. Uh, So we're going to try and do this one as quickly as possible. But knowing myself, I'll have uh, way too much to say. So, yeah, uh, I'll go ahead and cue the intro, guys. Thanks for listening. And, of course, I appreciate any feedback you guys have. Area show, area show, area show, area show, area show, area A show, show, Right show, let show, get into it. All right. Alrighty, Space Team, let's kick things off here with our discussion of Episode 6. This is the Marble episode, which was by far and away my favorite episode. I also think that this is the most important episode. Uh, It might seem small potatoes when you compare Episode 8 and 9, the ones that have these major reveals, but I think that when it comes to drama and raw emotion that gets brought out of these characters, Episode 6 is, stands far and away above all the rest. So the prompt for this marble game is every, every person has to pair off into teams of two. Uh, and this harkens back to the moment that I'm sure everyone who's listening has experienced. I certainly have experienced multiple times. Maybe you're in school, middle school, you're in gym class, or maybe you're just doing a project. And the teacher says, all right, guys, pick a partner, pair into teams for this. We're going to be working with someone else on this project. And in, it's that moment where everyone always looks to who they're closest to or who they think uh, they have the best chances of doing well with with a partner there. And, and you know, that, that heart-crushing moment when you look to your friend who you think you guys are going to be a great team together and you already see that they're looking away. Uh, this moment happens here with jin Hu and Sung-Woo. jin Hu looks right at Sung-Woo the second he says you can pick partners. It's, it's a no-brainer for him. Of course they're going to work together. They've been friends since they were little kids. But in in a in a no moment's hesitation, Songwu is already looking at Ali. He he knows that Ali stands a better chance at actually giving him an advantage in these games. I do think that to this point, Ali has shown himself to be to perform better in challenges than Jin Hu. That being said, we do see later on this episode his his fatal flaw is that he he's a little too trusting, a little too easygoing. That's not unlike Jin Hu in a certain way he is a little laxidazel in that uh, in a similar regard but overall uh, Jin-hoo would not have found himself in the position that uh Ali did here it would have been actually really interesting to see how that pairing would have gone with jin Hu and Sung-woo but regardless this opens the door to some interesting dialogues between characters when they're looking for their partners uh, Jin is kind of bouncing around and there's a weird moment here where he's actually being uh salesman pitched by someone who we really haven't seen much in the game, except for just flying around in the background. I'm not sure what this other player sees in Jin who cause really, and I'm going to have this opinion a lot here, guys. I don't think Jin who does much. I don't think he does almost anything to be a part of the game. He barely ever contributes to his team. He's just kind of the, he's just kind of the blank wall that we kind of can put our emotions onto. But either way here this guy wants him but it's in this moment that Jin-hoo his emotions and his character really comes out and he he sees the old man is all alone nobody's picking him i mean once we find out what we find out later on i think the old man was actually trying not to get picked he wanted to get the buy on this game just like uh 218 the crazy lady gets but anyways this is a really good moment that we get jin Hu's character. While he's not contributing much to the challenges and his team, in my opinion, uh, we do get to see how much he does care. And at this point in the game, he's not jaded. He hasn't changed like everyone else has. He still is able to uh, enact kindness to others. Uh, and we see that when he offers a hand to the old man and says, you know, let's work together. We're buddies, you know. We got the, we'll be in this until the end. Of course, this moment, this small gesture of uh good faith is immediately turned on its head as we get revealed that for this challenge they're going to be competing against each other uh they're not going to be partners working together they are going to be at each other's throats one one will live one will not um this this is coming right off the heels of the tug of war episode and is setting the tone for okay there's only going to be one or maybe two people that make it out of the game at this point the Tug of War episode literally cut the players in half, and that's the same thing that happens here. Every, you know, by nature of the game and the structure of pairing off, everyone will, the entire roster will be cut right in half. And at this point it's hard to ignore the the reading on the wall that this is really only meant for one survivor. I'm assuming at this point this is this is occurring in the back of the players' heads, but there's no dialogue that really shows that it's quite occurred to them. Nevertheless, we get right into the game, and our pairings are really interesting to me. I'll kind of talk about these one by one until we get to the more meaty ones at the end here. But uh, I did really enjoy 101. This is the thug character. I liked his game with one of his little goons. Uh, it, was, it was unlike the others because it didn't bring out that raw emotion like the other interactions did. It didn't reveal anything for his character that we didn't already know. But it was fun to see these two greedy players uh, just kind of at each other's necks. Uh, they, they don't really care for each other. They're just trying to get the competitive edge. And it was a little fun to watch that. Uh, they were gambling aggressively. And I actually have to give kudos to the other character he was playing against. Not the uh, not our main thug boy. This is the uh, the larger man who has been at it by his side the whole time. But he's able to make a very large impression. And I commend the actor for really allowing himself to look gross in the scene. Uh, watching him greedily get ahead in the game and then lose his footing there uh, i th- i found actually gross and it's something akin to like anime characters i've seen and how they're depicted a lot of times but he he knocked it out of the park and out of the park and i had a lot of fun just watching them play that little game getting into our next pairing here i want to go over the two females game this is our main uh, girl number 67. And the other female girl who was introduced just a couple episodes further. And getting right into it, uh, one thing I notice off the off the bat is that they are very similar in dem- demeanor, yet they have differences in how they communicate. Both of them are very close off to people, everyone else around them, and they both seem very capable. However, the younger female, she clearly has a strong yearning for a friendship or a type of sisterhood that she wants out of her relationship with 67. Uh, it was the whole reason why they even paired up together at all. Uh, she really had her, her sights set on her. And and that gets revealed even more as the game, as they start playing together. Uh, the younger female, her really only goal here, she doesn't care about living. She doesn't have anything to live for. Um, that's present with a lot of our characters, but what's unique for her is she doesn't have anything to win back, you know? A lot of our characters, are they don't have anything going on in, our life, in their life, but Jin-Hoo is fighting to hopefully save his mother and have a better relationship with his daughter, even though the rest of his life is in shambles. And even Sungwoo, he's fighting for taking care of his own mother and paying off his his debts. There are things to fight for there. This younger female character, she just doesn't have anything. She's playing the game because she doesn't have anything better to do. And so for her, the best thing for her to do in this moment is to have fun. Maybe make a friend, make one meaningful connection while she still has the chance. And that's exactly what she does. And she even uh, breaks down the walls of our 67 character here. Sorry, I'm a little inconsistent with the names here. Some are a lot easier to pronounce than others. So just bear with me here, guys. I'm doing the best I can. Um, But yeah, it's truly heartbreaking as uh, we get these walls broken down with both of these female characters. And you see where they're both coming from and it, it ultimately comes to a head at the very end of their game, and she just gives up, you know. Uh, it's, it's certainly a hero moment where she is falling on her sword because she learns that 67, she has something to live for. <clears throat> she has a brother to take care of. She has a family to foster. Uh, the other female character, the younger one, she she really just has this fantasy, uh, uh, a small desire of what she could, she could want, but it's not what she has. That's not her life. So I I do think it makes sense for a character to kind of sacrifice yourself there. This was a turn I wasn't expecting. I actually was expecting for everyone to find a creative way to get out of these situations and be able to leave with their partners, but that's not what happens here. It's a bittersweet moment because 67 is our bestie girl. I haven't mentioned this before, by the way, but I am absolutely in love with 67. And I have to say, early on, I wasn't sold on her. I don't know why everyone was in love with her. But guys, she is perfect. Uh, This actress is killing it. She's serving up looks and is doing so with minor dialogue. She probably says a total of 20 words throughout the whole series. Uh, But yeah, uh, it it is great to see this moment because I think that this sacrifice, this act of love towards 67... Is something she hasn't experienced, at least in the last who knows how long in her life, since she's been a refugee here. But I think that it does inform her character moving forward. This is where we start to see more soft moments from her, more moments where she actually uh, starts to help people, even though they're very micro moments, and she will certainly never help someone over herself. But uh, we see it a couple times later on in the show where she, her character's changed a little bit. She's not just guarded for herself. So the next pairing I'm going to go through is actually going to be our main boy Jin-Hoo and the old man because I think I want to end on Ollie and Sung-Woo because I think that is the stronger emotional crux of the episode. But yeah, uh, Jin-Hoo and our old man. Th- in this, in As soon as they start the game, the old man starts taking a turn towards his dementia again. And once we get the reveals that we do at the end of the series – it it really calls into question is does he have dementia? Is he just wasting time so that way, because uh, he knows what the game is going to be? It, it's hard to tell what's happening here uh, from the point of view of the old man because he references that he does have dementia, and you see a few moments throughout the show where it's going back and forth, where popping that uh, detail of the character in. So again, it's hard it's hard to tell where he's coming from here, but the the tension that builds because he's so confused this whole time is so frustrating. I'm I'm just with John Jin Hoo right now and, and just thinking, come on, get your shit together. Like <laughs> we have stuff to do. <clears throat> so I really feel for him in that frustration there. But the it, it kind of builds up to this moment where while they're playing the game, Jin Hu is kinda cheating the old man. He's kinda taking marbles because he's so confused. And I mean I kinda get this, especially if we're talking about one person has to die here, one person gets to live Just on a net value of how many years are left for the old man to live, it doesn't make sense for him to win this game. Uh, I would be really upset if the old man beat me, honestly. So I kind of don't hate hate Jin-Hoo here for taking advantage of him in that moment, as terrible as that sounds. But the reveal that the old man is aware that he was cheating him, this kind of like Uncle Iroh lesson that he teaches him, uh, was really shocking and was so well done. And it just reminds you that the old man is a lot more capable and cunning than you think. And before I talk about the conclusion for that game, uh, one thing I want to note is how as the old man is starting to lose the game a little bit along the way, he's also still remaining to be quite confused. Uh, One thing I noted was that the old man is literally losing his marbles. I wonder if that was intended uh, by the Korean creators of this. I don't know if that joke kind of translates or not, but... If not, it's not something I've seen anyone else point out, and I'd like to take credit for that. Uh, other than that, uh, uh, early on while they're playing the marble game, before it gets too serious, one thing I do want to know is that the old man and jin Hu are really playing together. Uh, we've, we've seen the old man enjoying himself along the ride the entire time uh, playing these games. But you see them really having fun together. They are just like kids, and they're bonding. They call—I think it's called uh, "gonbu," is what it's called, because they're bonded. You know, they have a brotherhood there. And this is one of those moments where you know, if you rewatch the show or looking back after you get those reveals at the end, it it makes so much sense. And it was really in front of us the whole time. While watching it, I thought it was more so just a metaphor for uh, childhood-like wonder and just getting able to play, but. Uh, knowing what we do at the end of the series, we know that there's a lot more going on there. And that moment is telling the audience something. So that was that was a cool nugget of information. <clears throat> but yeah, that brings us into what stands to be one of the most heartbreaking scenes is when we, we realize that the old man is on his way out here. And this is an off-screen death, very intentional. I actually have to respect the show I I noticed that this was an off-screen death as compared to all the other deaths we've seen in the series so far. But I really thought that that was just because who would want to see this old man die who we've just grown to fall in love with, you know? Um, Which is still true. Like, I think that is valid. And I think it's impressive that the show was able to hide behind the fact that, of course, we're not going to show you this old man dying. And so that doesn't raise any red flags uh, for the reveal that we get later on. Uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, my my stomach was turning as this happens, and I, really, I was just so beside myself over that that just heartbreaking moment that happens for Jin Hu. Uh, but of course, that gets utterly topped by the next the next heartbreaking moment that happens in our final pairing here with All and Sung Woo, and and you see, if they were just playing the game fairly, All would have won. Uh, something very fitting because frankly, his character is better than Sung Woo. Uh, he's not as smart as Sung Woo. He's not as cunning. And he's not going to get further in any game, of course. But he, he just has such a pure heart. And he actually remains to be, I think, the only character from start to finish that there's never a negative light shone upon. He never does anything that betrays his morals. You know, uh, some Another character who comes close to this would be Jin-Hoo or the younger female character who sacrifices herself for sixty seven. But even in her backstory, we find out that she had to deal with some traumatic stuff and that led her to be kind of a killer herself. Uh, I don't blame her for it and I don't necessarily blame Jin-Hoo for some of the character turns he takes later either, but it, it remains to be the fact that Ali is the only one whose moral character is never compromised once throughout the show. So uh, R.I.P. Ali, I, I love you, man. Uh, but yeah, so uh, they're, they're playing the game, Ali pulls ahead and then we get this this guttural moment from Sung-woo where he's pleading for his life, you know, please, please, you can't, we can't end it like this, you know. We, oh, oh, and then in an act of desperation, he thinks of a plan, uh, a plan of how he can, we can both walk away from this. Um, it is a little bit too much of a suspension of disbelief to think that Ali wouldn't see this coming. Um, I know that he really trusts Sung-woo and wants to trust him here, and and of course there has to be a voice somewhere in the back of his head that thinks. Am I being dumb right now? But he he's so pure hearted that he just, he believes Sung Woo when he hands him this bag. And of course, I, I do think that this is still the, the most heartbreaking moment that happens in the show. Even when we get all the way to the finale with some very deep reveals that, you know, Sung Woo is crossing the border. Uh, he's, you know, he's getting back into the game. He's passed based on a loophole. And you see, you see the 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 information of that really occur to Ali, and you see his face turn from uh, like a ignorant, blissful moment to uh just heart shattering betrayal. I've lost everything here. Moment where he should have won, but because Sungwoo was selfish in this moment, he will not win, and of course, he has to die because of that. So, R.I.P. Sung, uh, <laughs> R.I.P. Ali. I'll be pouring one out for you tonight, buddy. All right. I'm going to try and pick up the pace here a little bit for you guys. But as we go into episode seven, we're left with this feeling that all bets are off. This is really the first time in the show that we've had our main characters die. Like anyone who we've been following throughout the whole show is now not here any longer. So it really does uh, change the tone of the show. And there, we it kicks off into uh, a scene that brings a lot of weight to it. And it's one of the characters who we don't really know too well. Uh, just played the marble game with his wife, and that's really the most tragic thing. If we were able to watch that, I'm sure I'm sure that the emotion that would have been drawn out from that would have topped Ollie's and Sungwoo and everyone else's interaction. I actually really would have liked to follow closer to the point of view of this married couple that's going through this game. I think that that would have brought a lot of rich story and emotion. But alas, we just get the nuggets of it and. Uh, now that his wife is dead, he's basically begging everyone to to revote. You know, we can still revote, and I like that they reminded us that this is actually still on the table because that comes back into play a little bit later on. But it's nice that you know, uh, as we're going through the show, they they're reminding you of these beats that so that way, subconsciously, you can hold on to those details and know that that is still on the table. Of course, nobody raises their hand at all. I am surprised that Jin Hu at this point. Wouldn't consider it. I think that it kind of betrays his character that he's not at least interested in uh, revoting. But that's besides the point. Uh, Sung Woo makes a big argument for you know, there's only so many of us left at this point. I think 17 at the time. I want to say, and uh, out of 457, I mean, that's that's a lot. Oh, excuse me, 456. That's a lot of people to have died for this cause. And I kind of, I kind of am jumping on board with Sung Woo's point of view here. He says. We owe it to those people to see the game through. Uh, why did they die if we're all just going to give up now and then act like this never happened, you know? So I, I, the motivation-wise, I think that that was a very strong argument as to why these people would keep uh, trudging forward after all these tragic events have happened to them. But before I get into the next game, guys, I want to take a minute to talk about uh, the introduction we get in this episode, which is... The Americans, uh, or the viewers of the game, I'm a little salty that they're all American. It feels like a few of them could be from somewhere else, considering that they're all deplorable. I guess America just has that point of view from the rest of the world that we're just greedy scumbags who want to bet on human lives, which isn't not true, but it is what it is. Um, uh, I have to say that this is actually one of the things in the show that didn't really work for me, a rarity for this show, because just about 95% of it really does work for me. But... I just really didn't feel I didn't feel those characters, you know, uh, the masks that they have on. Visually, they were they were cool at first, but you know, just hearing the banter between them, I mean, it's evident that they're pieces of shit scumbags. But I don't think that there's anything there that uh, ups the stakes much. I actually I find it really disappointing that behind this game is really just uh, as as is referred to later on a a horse betting match, you know. It feels a little reductive, especially after we've had these moments where uh people where where the characters have the opportunity to vote themselves out of the game uh you know valuing that democracy and when we've already had dialogue saying you know from the front man saying that we need to we need to uh value the integrity of the game and make sure that it's fair for everyone involved i mean I guess now that I'm talking about it, that does still go hand in hand with treating it like uh, like dog racing or horse betting uh that type of thing that being said it does open up our world a little bit if these guys are coming from America it begs the question how global is this game uh to this point i think it, it, you're led to believe that it's happening in a small you know this is just one thing that's happening here but with the introduction of these american characters who knows i mean the the sky is the roof here guys uh, this could be happening in every country there could be multiple versions of this happening in every country. You know, the, the stakes are certainly risen with this reveal and it opens a lot more questions and a lot more opportunities for what I hope will be a season two out of this show. So as we start this next game, I think that it's supposed to be reminiscent of hopscotch where uh, in this game in this version of it, uh, you have two options. You have the left and right uh, tiles in front of you one, uh, once you step in it, it'll shatter and you're going to fall to your death, and the other one will be able to hold you firmly. As they're describing this game, they make a point to say that that the glass that will hold you is strong enough to hold at least two players. Uh, I thought that was weird when they mentioned it, but of course it comes into play uh, soon thereafter. Uh, but one thing that I really like early on in this game is what they use with the religious character. To this point, I found him really annoying and very one note. But as he's just sitting there praying and asking for the answer, uh, this is where you really get to see the dimensions of what you can use for a religious character like this. So there's a moment here where as he's praying, you watch his face change from someone who's just begging, who's just begging for a chance from their Lord and Savior to somebody who, who... firmly doubles down in his religion and becomes a devout warrior. His face becomes a lot more fierce uh, while he's there on his knees and he doesn't care what the people are saying behind him. He is completely unbothered by the pressure that is being put by the other players to hurry the hell up because he doesn't care what they say. He's got God in his side, you know? And, uh, for what it's worth, that type of uh, unfeathered belief can be very strong. You know, he feels like he is going to accomplish what he needs to because he has God on his side, and that belief alone does give him power in some way. And of course, uh, someone tries to hurry him along and jumps on his board with him, uh, and that person ends up falling to their death. So for him, that's even that's even more proof that what he's doing is correct because right after he was praying for an answer, he got one. And that was in the form of somebody else dying. Of course, it doesn't last very long. That character ultimately falls to his death, like most of the characters here do. But it, what it does is it sets up a new dynamic in this game. Like all of these games, uh, information and ideas on how to win them reveal themselves as you go along. And we start realizing uh, if I have to wait for these guys to go along, I might just push them off. Of course, that's not necessarily the best thing to do either because everyone in front of you is another opportunity for them to make the failing choice so that way your path becomes clear. And, and this is not made more clear than when 101, our thug character, starts to take control of this game. You know, he's next up, but he still has plenty of tiles to go. And as pointed out by the first person who went along, statistically, it's pretty much impossible I mean with every step you get the odds of you making it are increasing but with with so many tiles to go and really you're going off of a 50 50 chance, there's no way to game the system here. so he starts getting aggressive and he's basically saying I'm not going <laughs> and uh, you guys can go on ahead of me and you guys can figure it out but unless you think you can physically push me off before I push you off, you're gonna go ahead of me and this threat is so strong I mean he just doesn't care. Uh, I do really. I, I want to say because this is going to be one of the last times we're talking about one hundred and one here. Wink, wink. Uh, I really like the threat that he imposes. He physically towers above everyone else here, and he's he's pretty smart too. I got to give him credit for. He in every game he finds a way to have some kind of strategy that that shows that he's not just a physical threat. He's also a mental threat in in all regards, and I think he makes for a great antagonist in the show. And I and I'm certainly gonna miss him. But yeah, the the bully strategy does work for him for a while. Of course, that's until our crazy lady comes into the fold. And uh, from the, from her introduction, these characters have been kind of diametrically opposed. They were seemingly in love for a minute there. They smashed on the toilet. And then they've been uh, kind of at each other's throats this whole time. But she, she makes good on her promise here. As soon as I saw her step up to the plate with that smirk on her face, I, I figured this is this is going to be the moment. Uh, uh, early on in the show, she, she says to him, if you ever betray me, I will kill you. The second that she said that, I knew that that was definitely going to happen. Uh, you don't introduce that type of plot without making good on it. But to the show's credit, I didn't know how they were going to get that done uh, until that until the moment that she steps up, of course. That look in her face, you know that she's going to do something just off the wall. But this character, or excuse me, this moment cemented for the character to me how cool she is, you know? I had a lot of fun with her. She was really annoying at times. I think they played her up a little too much uh, a lot of the time, especially early on. But when they let her actually be this capable and scary threat... Uh, I, actually, I I believe it, you know, it's something that I thought would be hard to buy for the character, but uh, she just has that nice smirk on her face and she basically bear hugs him and brings, her, brings him down with her. Uh, I thought it was a great way for both the characters to go out. Uh, it was very satisfying, which I think would have been, it, it certainly seemed like it would be a hard way to make good on that promise without the audience seeing it coming and feeling like it was a satisfactory way to do that, so farewell 101 farewell i can't remember her number now but farewell you guys uh made the show a really fun watch so with those characters out of the way it really just leaves a few of our main characters left we've got jin Hu, 67 and sung woo i swear i'm not being a misogynist i just find her name so much harder to say guys but uh they're being led by someone who actually worked in glass so he has various methods of actually finding out which glass to step on he has a nice comment here when Jin-Hoo questions why he, if he knew how to tell the glass all the time, why didn't he speak up so everyone can get through? And his answer to that is, these guys have been assholes trying to get me killed this whole time. Why would I help them? Um, I, I really like that justification. That point of view was a very strong one, and it shows that everyone here is playing their own game in their own way. This, this uh, ex glassmaker certainly hasn't been an antagonistic threat to anyone. He's been you know, in the background here and there and just been kind of helping people along or indifferent, I suppose, would be more accurate to say. But in this moment, you, it, it's just another peek behind the curtain on how many uh, different levels are happening to this game. Um, of course, uh, it gets it comes to a head. There's only about 10 seconds left and there's only one more step to be had. And for some reason, he, he can't make that call. He's not concerned with the people behind him. So Sungwoo makes a decision here. He pushes him off so the rest of them can get ahead. Uh, and th- this is a big moment for this show because it. this is where we start to pin Sungwoo and Jinhoo against each other. This counts as like a major turning point in Jinhoo's perspective for Sungwoo being like a bad guy. Now, Sungwoo does plenty later on uh, in this show to cement that he's a bad guy and has done plenty even leading up to this point of, like, of clues that are letting you know that He's not a good character. He's not morally sound, I guess you could say. But this moment specifically where he pushes the guy in front of him off the glass, I think it was so justified. I mean, I don't know why Jin-Hoo is complaining because Jin-Hoo literally got across the line when there was one second left on the clock. If he was one beat slower, he would not have survived. It, It would have been impossible. And if... If they were three beats slower, then then Sung-woo and number 67 wouldn't have gotten across as well. So I think it's actually unrealistic for Jin-hoo to be upset about this. I mean, I understand that it's not great to see anyone get killed, but this truly was a moment where if the gentleman in front of them didn't get his shit together in literally one more second, they were all going to die. So Sung-woo, I think you did a good job here. I would have done the same thing in that moment. There was no other choice. Uh, of course, I don't justify any of the things Sungwoo does leading up to that or thereafter. But this moment right here, he, he's chilling. He gets a pass for me. Also, Hu, you're not doing anything. This is another game where he just gets a free pass. Like He literally has, didn't do anything in this game to help anyone get across on the glass stepping here. I guess he gave a marble to the guy so he could listen to the glass sound. And that informed his decision for that one step, I suppose. But really Jin Hu, this is what I was talking about earlier. I don't think that he's a very active member in many of these games. He's just reacting to things, you know, he's not really helping anyone along. That being said, as our final three makes it across the line, they are safe, or so we think, all the glass shatters behind them, and this is kind of BS, you know, the game is talking about treat you know, putting everyone on the same foot and treating everyone fair. But all this glass shattering, obviously, that's gonna hurt them. They all three could have died in this moment, and unfortunately, number sixty-seven takes a huge shard of glass to the the abdomen area, and and that's that's a fatal wound for her. I mean, that's not in the end, that's not what uh, does her in. Um, but it would have done her in in a matter of moments, e- either way. And I don't know. I kind of judged the game for this for this little moment. I don't think. That this necessarily values uh, what the game says that it values. Um, I don't know. It just really annoyed me to have such a cool character come all this way only for her time to be kind of cut short over something so menial. You know, it's it's a pretty lame way to go out for the character. I wanted to see a lot more out of her towards the end. Of course, I am getting a little bit ahead of myself. So let's backtrack a little bit. Uh, let's go to let's start in here at episode eight. And this one opens up to the big interaction between Sung Woo and Jin Hu. Uh, this is what I was alluding to before. He's mad because Sung Woo pushed the other player off the ledge there when he doesn't feel like he didn't feel like he had to do that in that moment. This this interaction between the two characters is the first time that we're really seeing them at odds together. We we haven't seen this. We've seen uh maybe some small moments of distrust between them, but this is really the first major confrontation, and there's a lot of emotion that comes out here. This is this is really like our final arc, I would say, as as it pertains to the actual games. Of course, there's a lot that happens after the games conclude, but I don't know. This really set the tone for what the final confrontation is going to be. Already, we're seeing glances uh, towards number sixty-seven that are t- that that's letting the audience know that she's she's not long for this game at all. So we, it's already setting the dynamic between just those two characters. And and with, with the cutting between shots of what I'm assuming to be is Woo and Hu as kids on the schoolyard, you know, uh, going back to our opening shot of the entire series, I think it is implied to be them, or at least a version of them, if you will. Uh, it represents them playing together as children. Um but this is when the show starts to feel a lot more anime again, very Naruto Sasuke, you know Vegeta and Goku that that type of dynamic where uh, you know it, it all roads lead to them, and they have to face off one v one, and this is when we're really starting to get the emotions that inform that final uh, confrontation. One thing I've yet to mention in this episode is that our policeman 007 character is doing so much in the background right now you know he continues to have infiltrated the game and uh that that's progressed to the point where the front man is aware that he's somewhere infiltrating here like he he's aware that there's somebody on the inside trying to take his game down and so we get a lot of fun interactions between this little cat and mouse game that's going on there uh of course he in the in the episode 7 he he actually infiltrates uh the VIP section which is super crazy and uh, ends up knocking out one of the VIPs, which of course is just raising even more red flags to get this character. But seeing him, seeing his plot develop, and he's getting more information. He's at this point, he's collected his information. He knows that they know he's here, so he's just trying to get the heck out of there. And that leads to a really fun chase scene that closes out episode eight and goes into episode nine as well. Now, before we get into that major conflict and character reveal, there. Uh, there's a there's one slow moment. This is kind of the last slow moment that the show takes. Uh, the show's done tons of these slow moments that are really just uh, a visual flex, in my opinion. But they they do a feast for a final three. You know, they get them all all dressed up nice. Everyone's looking good in their little tucks and everything. And it kind of feels like I'm watching a Wes Anderson movie. Uh, it's very symmetrical and it's uh long slow shots. Just watching these characters eat or not eat uh, for the case of 67. But I, I really like it. It takes its time. And just visually, it's popping off the screen. This is something I've touched on in my other reviews, but I really want to take a moment to spotlight, is that this show has so much flair and personality in its design. I mean, just down to the staircase room, uh, You know, every time that the players are walking to the game, or even the game conductors, when they're going back to bed when they're done doing their work, I mean, that room looks amazing and all the way that they've constructed all the games, even all the mask that the workers wear and the VIPs, of course, there just is so much personality there and it's something that I think gets overlooked for the show because the show is doing so much for character dynamics and drama and twist and turns and like that, that, that certainly is at the forefront of the show. So it's easy to forget how just gorgeous the show is. And it's making a lot of bold decisions, but, but it comes back into play here in that thief scene. And it's very rhythmic. There is music going on in the way that the, the, the conductors of the game are coming in, you know, with their red suits and everything. And they're, they're bringing the food and taking the food away, but leaving the knife knife on there. There's a lot of rhythm to that scene where you can kind of feel the music going on. And I just think it's really well done. Uh, the director, whoever directed this episode, just really did a fantastic job with that. And it sets the stage for feeling like a, a large climax is coming. You know, everyone's dressed to the nine. Everyone's well fed and everything. And you know something's big, something big is coming around the corner. Of course, that big moment is basically leaving our three in the room alone. You know, this big gymnasium. Uh, actually, I just realized this whole – the quarters where they sleep is kind of just a big gymnasium. Uh, you know, that goes back – that furthers the metaphor of this being like middle school games and everything like that. But uh, this this is a really weird dynamic. Uh, we have just the three characters, uh, you know, on all different sides of the gym. And uh, our character, uh, jin Hu comes up to 67, and he, he can see that she's suffering. And, of course, he doesn't want to take her out. He's not the type to kick a horse while it's down. Um, he just wants to work together with her. At this point, he's acknowledged Sung-Woo as an utter threat. Um, he's afraid of him. He doesn't know what he's going to do, and rightfully so. Um, but this is when jin Hu starts to take a character turn that, oh, I just leaves such a bad taste in my mouth for him. But, you know, like everyone else in this game, he's gotten jaded after seeing death after death, tragedy after tragedy. And he makes a decision here to actually go and attack Sung-woo while he's sleeping. I mean, uh, this is a large turn for Jin-hoo, even though it's it's only a momentary turn and it's ultimately 67 who walks him back from taking that. You know, she says to him, that's not who you are don't do that, please, you know, she pleads with him and and he takes that moment and realizes that isn't who he is. Um, I really appreciated that. That was a great moment, especially coming from her. I think that she's only capable of showing that type of concern and regard for another person in this game uh, because of the interaction she had with the younger female character earlier on who sacrificed herself for him. My prediction in this moment was going to be that that sixty seven would sacrifice herself for for Jin Hu, uh, because, you know, she is already dying. It's it's that's all obviously clear. And I kinda wanted her to sacrifice her herself for him, having seen that he's done his best to maintain a moral character throughout this. But that's not what happens. Um, you know, she starts bleeding out and Jin Hoo being the good guy he is is yelling for a doctor, please, you know, please come help, come help, of course. I never thought that that was going to happen. I never thought a doctor would come and save her, even though her injury wasn't directly related to an active game. But <laughs> it's while his his back is turned that Sung-Woo strikes, and I gotta say, they really make these characters start to feel like animals. You know, they've brought in these characters to the 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 driving point to, to the breaking point of their of their whole their whole personality structures here, and and it, he Sungwoo just like jin Hu was a moment earlier waits for that moment's distraction and then that's when he strikes just like a lion in the serengeti so i i just thought that was strong uh fuck Sung-woo at this point <laughs> i really hate that he did that she obviously was gonna die what did the pen in the neck do i suppose there's an argument to be made that that put her out of her misery but suffice to say th- that's the final that's the final straw uh jin Hu does not give a fuck anymore. He wants sung woo dead and he's desperately clawing at him and you know they get ri- they get pulled away from each other by the conductors of the game of course but I I thought that was interesting. It's actually kind of weird that the conductors are halting them from violence at this point. I suppose since there's only two characters left, they want to make sure that they still compete in the big game at the end, you know. They've got the VIPs here to watch. They've got to, you know, make good on that. So the stage is set. It's time for our final game. It is Sungwoo versus Jin Hoo, and this is Squid Game. Of course, the game that they end up playing is the same game that the show opened up to with the two little kids. I actually don't I don't understand the structure of this game. It's been explained to us a couple times, but it must make more sense in Korea. I don't think I've ever played a game like this, but visually it does look cool. Uh, you don't really need to know the rules of the game to really follow along because the game really falls apart quickly and just turns into a physical violence match. So uh, take that for what it's worth. Squid Game is still a really cool name for the show, but as far as like the theming of that actual game goes, there wasn't really much there for me that really fell in its head. Uh, one other—that's just another small critique, uh, one of very few I have for the show. But yeah, that was the, that was kind of a miss for me. But yeah, just like uh, Naruto and Sasuke battle, it becomes an all-out slugfest between the two of them. And, you know, all the drama comes back into the fold here. You know that these characters have known each other for a long time. I actually kind of wish that we had a few scenes that showed them maybe growing up together. Uh, You know, there's the, the wordless scene that we open up to that you can maybe infer is them playing as kids. But I would like to see a little bit more there to establish that they really knew each other growing up together. Uh, type of dynamic, but the drama still is there. It certainly does hit and it does deliver. Uh, ultimately Jin Hu gets the upper hand and this is his moment where he could end it all right now. He could kill Sung Woo and walk away with all the money. But true to form for his character, he, he 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 thinks of another way. He says, you know, we could both there's only two of us. We could b- vote for this to be over and we can go back home, this will all, it'll, you know, obviously won't be like nothing happened, certainly a lot happened, 454 people died, but, you know, this is, he's showing an act of mercy here, you know, he doesn't care about the money as much as he cares about the people in his life, or just hurting people, you know, uh, this is the ultimate, uh, redemption kind of for Jin-Hu, not that he really needed it, he's only had a few moments of being a piece of shit, but, this is the defining moment that you see that he does he doesn't want to kill he doesn't want to win like this and this isn't the type of game he wants to be in uh, he ultimately made the decision to join this game due to his circumstances but he doesn't want this life and I, I like this moment for him uh, I did see this coming I uh, right away uh, Sungwoo takes the takes the knife and stabs it into his own neck and uh, I do think that was a fitting way for this to end. Uh, I like that the only person who won the game is the only person who didn't actively try to kill anyone or did his best at least to avoid people dying in this game as much as possible. So, you know, other than Ollie, of course, but Ollie's dead. uh, Ollie deserves to have won the game more than anyone. But since he can't be around, uh, we'll give the W to Jinwoo. Good job, Jinwoo. Jinwoo, you got it. You won, man. So now that we kind of wrapped up those games and before we get into the conclusion of Jin who's character, we can go, we can look at the police character because this subplot, you know, I haven't talked about it much in my reviews here because it is the B plot of this story, but it is so strong. I, I want so much more from this character. Uh, we'll get into that later, but uh, the it, he is, he's on his way out of this place. He's being, it's the cat, the cat and mouse game continues at this point the front man is actively trying to catch up to him himself. Um, there's a small moment where the front man finds uh, a bullet used from the policeman. And I think it's in this moment that the front man kind of deduces who the policeman is. Uh, oh, oh, the drama is just building here. Uh, but uh, this cat and mouse game leads to uh, a big crescendo on uh, a, a, a nearby island uh, to the island that the games are being played. And the front man and his uh, gang of goons follows him all the way to the top of the mountain, and uh, right before he gets up, but right before the front man catches up to him, our police officer character is able to send his videos out to his uh, his chief of police or whoever we believe whoever that is supposed to be he's communicating with back home. Uh, so we are left on this note that he was able to get this information out. Uh, at this point, I did kind of figure that the front man would be revealed to be the policeman's brother. Um, I don't think that we would have spent as much time with the police character if it wasn't going to lead to us meeting his brother. And at a certain point, it just couldn't have been anyone else. So yeah, the moment where the front man has his gun pointed at the police officer, he knows that the police officer has no more bullets to work with here. Um, and so it's it's kind of a you-have-no-more-cards-to-play situation. And it's, it's here when he reveals that he's his brother. He unmasks himself and we're met brother to brother and this this might be the most dramatic scene that was played up in this show. I really felt like I was watching a K-drama here and or it might it even kind of feels like you're watching a telenovela with the way they're cutting back between their eyes just staring each other in the face and you see you see from the police, brother, you see, why, brother? Oh, why would you do all this? And it, and it really is just a such a soft moment of compassion and heartbreak that we get there. Um, of course, we we aren't led... We, the show doesn't tell us why the front man is doing any of this. We know that he was a previous player in the game, and he won it himself, but his experience certainly must have been different than Jin-Hoo's because Jin-Hoo would never, at least the character that we're left with at the end of the season would never participate in the game the same way that this front man is. So I do wish maybe we got a little bit more from him there, but I suppose that just leaves more for us to tackle in season two. That being said, we just, I don't feel like we got enough from the front man in season one for me to really care about for him to be a driving factor in season two. Uh, You know, going into season two, the only characters that we have from this entire game that are known to be alive are just Jin who and the front man you know that's literally it and i do wish that we maybe got a couple other characters that stuck around um just so that way going into season two we're not just meeting a fully new cast i'm not sure how they're going to be able to pull that off but we'll see the police character um he doesn't he is believed to be dead he does get shot and then subsequently falls off of the cliff Uh, That being said, we don't see a body, and after what they did with that old man later on in that same episode, I am not convinced. From now on with Squid Game, if I don't see a body, I'm operating under the assumption that they are alive. So uh, hopefully we get to see him come back into the fray later on because he was uh, an amazing addition to the show and brought so much more energy to it. All right, so cut 2 we're back to the real world and our main character jin Hu, is kind of being uh, dumped back into wherever he was picked up to begin with. And uh, it's, it's weird that the, that they just dump these players back into the real world. I'm surprised that they're not more concerned about people being curious about that. Uh, I certainly would think it's crazy if I saw just the guy sitting there with blindfolds on. But I do like that uh, as Jin-Hoo is just dumped there onto the floor, he, at first, just isn't even moving. He's so shocked and traumatized by everything that's happened here that he doesn't care he won. He doesn't care that he might have won money. I think that he doesn't even believe that he's back in the real world. He doesn't seem to have any desire to even get up. Um, but I also really like that the first person who comes and interacts with him, uh, I think it is like, uh, I'm pretty sure it is a Christian character who's saying like, you know, get saved by God type of message. But e- either way, he's met with an act of kindness the first interaction he has back in the real world is an act of kindness. You know, he, he lends a helping hand to try and pick him up here. And I just like that. It, it, it set the tone for, you know, we're not in this world anymore. Uh, the world of Squid Game is, is terrible. It's dark. It's traumatic and all those scary things. But uh, we go back to the real world and immediately he's met with a little bit of humanity. And I think that character needs this. You know, he just watched... You know, 400 plus people die and he just got tricked so many times and, and he just had to watch someone he's known for a very long time die as well. So I like that he was able to be met with a a small human moment, even though uh, over the course of the next year of being out of the game, it, it, there's not much human humanity left for our character here. So here we are a year later, and it's kind of implied that jin Hu has not spent any of that money. Even though he went through hell and back to get it, he kind of hasn't used it to pick up the pieces of his life like he thought that he would, or at least how he set out to. This is clearly a form of like survivor's guilt, and he doesn't want to spend the money because he doesn't like how he got it. Um, I'm sure he regrets being a part of something so atrocious. Uh, but he has the money. I mean, me personally, why wouldn't you spend it at the very least on your daughter? Uh, one thing I forgot to mention just a second ago is right after he does get back to the game, he goes to his mom's house. And so heartbreaking. He says, Mom, I'm home. Your son is home. And he's just met with this lifeless body. And the the thinking about witnessing a parent's death more and more, I guess, as I age and I see this depicted in media, is truly just stomach-churning. I uh, that is so hard uh, to put yourself in the shoes of Jin Hu, who just went through, like I said, so much trauma, so much heartbreak and disaster in front of him. Comes home, and the one thing that was really driving him, you know, the potential that he could help his mom after all this, that hope is just done for. I, there she is, a lifeless body on the floor. So. Uh, I really feel for that character there. Just add that to the list of the many heartbreaks that all of our characters go through here. And that puts him on a spiral of, of depression. Uh, he's He looks homeless, even though he's like a millionaire, billionaire, whatever the case is. Uh, he let himself really go. He's kind of just drinking himself to death. And then he gets a card, uh, the same card that kind of got him into the game. Super annoying. <laughs> And uh, he's extended an invite to meet his old Gonbu, which is that name of, uh, you know, the old man. The, how they they called each other Gombu as their little brotherhood. And immediately he's suspicious. Uh, once he gets this, once he gets this note from him, you know, he he can put the pieces together that it's probably gonna be the old man. But he also puts the pieces together that whoever sent me this has been running the game. I'm not sure how he kind of puts all those pieces together. I wouldn't have personally. Maybe I'm not as smart as Jin-Hoo. But uh, that reveal that the old man was behind this game all along was crazy. It's something I had suspected in episode one. Just because the character seems like he uh, is hiding so much more. There seemed like there was so much more underneath the surface with him. But by the time we get to episode nine, that was nowhere on my radar. No part of me expected that to happen. So... Kudos to the show. They continue to zig when I expect them to zag, and even though I I have a million predictions about this show, almost none of them come true, and certainly not in the way I think they will. But uh, we spend we spend a lot more time with this character. I'm surprised how much uh, the show actually gives us after the games conclude. Uh, just like how the show opens, we spend whole half of episode one not involved in the games at all. So I really, I really respect the show for being able to do that and pull it off and still feel like just the nine episodes that we spent so much time in the world of the actual games, but that we actually get, we get closure in a sense uh, of what life is like when you leave the game. But we get this long scene, uh, you know, old man wants to play just one more game as he kind of explains himself a little bit. And ultimately his justification is that he's bored. Is that he was able to accumulate so much money that he was just bored. So he, he set up these games as a way to, I guess, have fun as a way to relive his youth. Uh, that is certainly an emotion I can uh, I can empathize with. Like I, you know, even even in high school, I somewhat longed for the days where I was in elementary school and, and kind of blissful. And you know, I can easily think about uh, times growing up and you know not having any stresses or financial stress or anything like that as an adult. So I think, I think that's what they're playing on here is that he just wants to relive his youth in a way and just have fun before he goes. Um, I don't think that that's a valid justification for everything that happens here. Uh, just because you want to have fun doesn't mean that you subjugate people to these situations. Of course, everyone who played the game did choose to play the game. Even when they left, they all choose to come back. So how much can you really blame him here? I'm not sure, but overall... I do think that the old man is sadistic in nature, uh, even in his final hours or what were believed to be his final hours at this point. I don't believe anyone's dead unless I see them get shot in the face, (laughs) but, um, he's, he still wants to play a game. And so I think that that shows that above all else, he just wants to have fun and kind of mess with people. Um, that being said, it's to the credit of the actor of the old man, because as sadistic as he shows himself to be here, you know, I don't think his justifications line up. I don't think that they're enough. I still love him. You know, he his he just has such a kind face, and he is able to convey so much with so little. Uh, that actor, I think, is doing the most work out of anyone here uh, on the entire show. But even as he fades away and you know that he's the reason for all this suffering and heartbreak, I still can't help but like him a little bit. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, the the old man, he just has my heart, and he's keeping it uh, in the grave, I suppose. So, good on you, old man. So, we cut to what is our final conclusion here. And it's clear that that interaction that Jin-Hoo had with the old man on his deathbed clearly informed him in some major way. Because now, we, you know, we cut to sometime later, and he's got a clean haircut, it's a red haircut, which is super weird, by the way. Uh, super odd choice, but I have a couple ideas on what's going on there. <laughs> and he's, got, he's wearing a nice suit. He's got a briefcase in his hand, and he's about to board a plane. And um, he's going to go to America to see his daughter. So this is kind of, in this moment, we see that he's finally doing what he was supposed to do from episode one. He's standing up and being a good father for once in his life. Um, of course, right before he boards that plane, he calls the number on the back of that card oh man, I can't, I just can't believe it. And he he basically starts saying that he wants to rejoin the game. It's unclear to me if he's actually going to rejoin the game. Was he just saying that so he can get connected to one of the higher ups? But pretty soon here, we get the front man, pick up the line and he, he kind of cautions him. He says, you know, you just get on that plane. It's what's going to be good for you. I read that as more of a threat personally. Um, I think that they I think that if the show moves forward, the only way to do that is to really pin Jin hoo against the front man uh, both having been winners and both coming from different points of views at this point. but I hate that he makes the decision to turn around I want more than anything for our character to just get on that plane and go be a good father for his daughter but of course, like I said in my first episode re- review, this guy is not a good father, and he that does not change for him. Uh, he has decided that he is going to take on this threat head-on, whatever that means. I suppose if he did go be a good father, there wouldn't be any more show to be had, right? Um, but yeah, so he turns around, and he's taking it back on. I, I'm assuming that the the hair color of red is a choice to show that he's uh, taking on a more fierce role and re- potentially re-entering the game or trying to infiltrate the game. Who knows? Um, but he's coming for vengeance, buddy. He is coming for blood. Um, I will say he looks good with the red hair, makes him look a little younger. <laughs> it works for me. Um, but yeah. Before I wrap up here, guys, I just want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, This is really my first try at getting into the podcast world. So thank you for bearing with me and thank you for bearing with the crappy audio that I've got going on here. My goal is to just get better with each one of these I turn in. But uh, yeah, let's get into a couple of my closing thoughts. This show was amazing. I'm honored to have spent uh, spent my time on this show for my my first podcast ever. Um, every episode left me wanting more. I was always on the edge of my seat. The The depth of the characters is what surprised me most coming into this show. I fell in love with almost every character they introduced. And, um, it, it me, it, it says a lot about the show that they were able to get rid of 99% of their characters and yet all of them leave a lasting impression on me. And, it's it's honestly just a shame that we won't be able to see those characters in season two because they were they were so well defined. I I'm critical that the show would be able to pull that off a second time, introducing a whole ring of new characters. But yeah, the the inventive ways they go about introducing these games and finding creative ways of conquering the games, and just all the different dynamics that they play off each other here. This show is going in as a 10 out of 10 for me guys. I definitely will be revisiting it. Uh, Any person who hasn't seen this show, I strongly recommend it. If you've made it to this point in the podcast and you haven't seen this show, that's pretty weird because I probably did a very bad job of spoiling it for you guys. But but hey, uh, what you guys do is your own business, right? That is going to go ahead and bring us to a close, guys. Uh, Squid Game was an absolute masterpiece. I consider it a nine-hour movie. Uh, I think you guys should too. Let me know what you guys think. Uh, Reach out to me, guys. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Snapchat. Uh, You guys aren't going to get my Snapchat. I'm on Instagram. I'm on TikTok. You guys can email me at DariusCook909 at yahoo.com. I'd appreciate any feedback that you guys have for me. And let me know what your overall thoughts are. Are on this show on squid game guys um i also want to know what you guys want me to review next uh i'm looking at only murders in the building that's on my radar i've got a couple other things down the pipeline i want to do a full series deep dive on king of the hill so let me know if any of those sound good to you guys and if there's anything else you guys want me to talk about uh i'd really appreciate it so yeah have a great day guys love you Are you so, show, you so, are show, so, are you so, are show, so, it's show. so, it's you so, it's show. so, are show. so, so, dear so, it's so,